This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good morning. Love that song. Great driving music. 706, a few clouds and a few sprinkles around Metro Vancouver. Sterling Fox in with uh, Jill Bennett having a bit of a spring vacation. Nice to be with you again this morning. And here we turn our attention to a subject that well, the whole world has been, frankly, riveted to for the past few weeks, let alone what's gone on in the past few days. Uh, President Trump said Friday after his historic meeting at the White House with North Korean officials that that summit with Kim Jong-un will now go forward as originally planned on the 12th of this month in Singapore. Here to talk about this, uh, is it likely to actually happen? It's only June 3rd today. The 12th is a long way down the road in Trump uh, numbers, at least. It's a pleasure to welcome Joe Brazda to the program. Mr. Brazda is uh, with the Middlebury Institute of International Studies, uh, joining us from Monterey, California, where he works at the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies. He is a research associate, among many other titles. Joe Brazda, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I, uh, we uh, had some very interesting meetings uh, in uh, Washington with uh, senior official, the most senior official short of the leader of the North Korean government, I believe, Joe, to ever visit the United States. Is that the case? Well, uh, the most senior official in the last 18 years, this is Kim Yong-cho, who is the vice chairman of the Korean Workers' Party and also former head of the intelligence I'm, ha- I'm having trouble with your cell reception, Joe. Are you moving around? Uh, no, let me repeat myself. Okay. And he is vice chairman of the Korean Workers' Party, so it's definitely your official and the White House. Okay. Um, we're having some difficult, we're just having reception difficulties here at RN, Joe, uh, with, with the quality of, of the, of the line that we're on, uh, with your cell phone. Let's, let's see if we can get, we improve it. We'll, we're tweaking it frantically at our end. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, I mentioned somewhat cynically that it is only June 3rd. The summit is scheduled for June 12th. That's a long time in Trump, uh, uh, numbers. Is it likely to go forward now that these meetings have taken place? Yes, I think it will go forward. I think that both sides have a lot invested now uh, politically and for, uh, you know, maintaining their own credibility. I think Donald Trump has uh, made it very clear that this is a, a top priority with him to meet with uh, Kim Jong-un. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm understanding from various commentators on U.S. television that uh, the expectation level for this is uh, has become so high that the United States is worried that um, too much will be expected from this. So they're doing something to lower the expectation level. Do you, do you see that as well? And if so, what are they doing, Joe? Well, I mean, I think it's a good idea to lower the expectation level simply because the preparation is not done there. It's not like Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un are going to sit in a room and break any ground on, in, you know, negotiating the denuclearization of the peninsula. Right. All that work, all that work needs to be done ahead of time, and that's not been done ahead of time. So lowering the expectations is a good idea so that this process can move forward with perhaps uh, laying the groundwork for a future meeting where some actual progress 
Okay, so again, if that's the case, oh, and by the way, just in terms of the the expectation bar and where it's set, I mentioned this earlier on the radio, Joe, I don't know whether you watch BBC at all, but I watch them quite a lot just to get a, a real third-party uh, look at the world. And they had their correspondent in Singapore last night, a young woman in Singapore, reporting on the, you know, the, the lead-up to the summit and the various uh, groups that are arriving. And of course, Kim Jong-un can't pay his bloody hotel bill, so somebody's going to have to pick up his tab but she referred to this joe as the summit of the century now that to me uh, sounds like a lot more over-the-top hype than the kind of expectation lowering the americans are trying to accomplish well i mean and that is hype and and the danger to that is is if you walk into this as uh, with this high expectation that there's some going to be some major agreement going to come out with the first meeting. That what you're doing is you're endangering the possibility of success for future meetings. You're because right. w- once there's this letdown, then we're going to have to find a way to build back up to something much more realistic, a goal that can actually be achieved. Right. Now, Mr. Trump has said right from the get-go, unequivocally, that his objective is the denuclearization of North Korea. Uh, Obviously, that can't happen necessarily in that one meeting on June 12th, Joe. But do you think North Korea is even on side with Trump's objective? Not at all. I think that they have yet to come to an agreement to actually what that term means. I think the Trump administration has made it clear that denuclearization of the North Korean peninsula means North Korea unequivocally gives up verifiably all of its nukes in an irreversible manner. You bet. Whereas the North Koreans, are, you know, their interests would also include that all nuclear threats towards them are removed from the region. And that's not something the administration has discussed. Interesting. And plus the fact that we're learning more and more, uh, and we learned, in fact, from one of your colleagues at the uh, Middlebury Institute last month about the the uh, amount of nuclear activity going on between North Korea and Iran as one example, Joe, of the sort of uh, behind the scenes stuff North Korea has been doing on the nuclear file for years. Well, Nuclear, or I'm sorry, North Korea has illicit relationships with many countries, and there's been a lot of technology sharing between uh, North Korea and Iran, particularly when it comes to ballistic missiles. Mm-hmm. So that that is definitely a concern. Uh, but that I think is is another issue besides what we're, what this summit's going to address. So what do you hope? Now, you're, you've been in the business for 20 years. You're at the Monterey uh, Institute, their Middlebury Institute of International Studies in the Nonproliferation James Martin Center. You've been at this for a long time, Joe, watching people whack away at each other over fences and uh, lots of flying words. What do you expect from this uh, July, sorry, June 12th gathering in Singapore? Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to have an expectation since we're on very unfamiliar ground. This is this is very unorthodox. This is not how diplomacy works. What I hope for is that cooler heads will prevail and further meetings can be conducted. And then moving forward, as Trump builds his team of expertise and hopefully starts listening to them, that some real progress can be made uh, towards denuclearization in a realistic pattern, which will be something that will take some time and happen in a phased approach. I don't have an expectation. Okay, so uh, perhaps a good beginning is all one can realistically hope for. Yeah, 
Well, a good beginning and or not a disaster. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we we can live with that part, too. Joe, I need to take a station break. And when I come back, I'd like you to stick around because I want to change gears on you. Your uh, finance guy was up here in uh, Whistler, just north of Vancouver yesterday, uh, with the G7 ministers of finance prior to the leaders gathering in Quebec next week. And your guy took quite a a hit and quite a lot of heat from uh, not only the Canadians, but uh, the other members of the G7 with respect to these tariffs and a, and a possibly and there were warnings from every finance minister at the table unless this thing de-escalates quickly we're talking about a global trade war and i want to talk to you about what that might mean for all parties around that table we're talking with joe brazda who joins us from the middlebury institute of international studies in monterey california and back with lots more after this <laughs> uh, Jill's away. It's Sterling Fox in for Jill Bennett. Thank you, John. Seven eighteen in Vancouver. Good morning. We're in conversation with Joe Brazda down the coast in Monterey, California. Uh, Mr. Brazda is a research associate at the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies in Monterey, California. And we talked about the upcoming summit in Singapore in a week or so between Kim Jong Un and Donald Trump. And, uh, Joe, uh, thanks for sticking around. I want to talk a little bit about the finance minister's meeting in Whistler, B.C., just an hour's drive north of where I am, yesterday, in which your guy, Steve Mnuchin, took a lot of heat from, well, Canada, Italy, Japan, Germany, the United Kingdom, and France, all of whom expressed considerable disappointment and great concern over the imposition of tariffs on what uh, I think the world would observe to be kind of America's closest friends. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised, and I'm, I'm not surprised he took some heat. This was somewhat of a surprise. I don't, I don't see that there was any real game plan in place, and I'm not sure exactly if uh, anybody has gamed out an end result. I suppose the thing that we find most offensive, and, and I find myself on side with my prime minister this morning, which is very rare, but he's on Meet the Press. You'll see it with Chuck Todd a little later on this morning on NBC, and he's just really ticked, and he's steamed because the United States has used the excuse of national security to impose uh, these uh, tariffs on aluminum and steel on Canada, who makes uh, war machines, among many other products, to export to the United States. Your, our steel is in your tanks, sir. A- and we find, in, and the prime minister said, particularly veterans find the the notion of being accused in some way of being some kind of threat or risk to to the national security of the United States is not only absurd; it's quite offensive. Well, and I, I completely agree, and I see your viewpoint. And I just want to say that. You know, so far in the history of this administration, I would say that there's it's very dubious. They have a very dubious grasp on what the term national security is for the United States, because there have been a lot of decisions made that were in the interest of the national security of the United States that were actually in the opposite interest of the national security of the United States, including the intention to violate the Iranian deal. So, yeah, this is just one more step where 
The administration is saying this isn't the interest of the United States, but everybody in the world, including most top experts in the United States, are saying, what are you talking about? This is exactly the opposite of what would be within the interest of the United States. Well, you know, it's really interesting this morning as I, I was sort of flipping through some of my favorite websites uh, in uh, looking at the reaction of corporate America, Joe. And this, you know, unemployment is at all time lows in the United States. The economy is just on fire. Everybody's making money. And corporate America looks at these announcements about uh, tariffs and, and uh, the, a possible trade war and goes, what on earth are you thinking? We're on a roll here. Why mess with that? Well, and this is true, because corporate America doesn't shoot from the hip the way Donald Trump does. Corporate America writes budgets. It writes forecasts. It revisits its profit and loss statements and then reforecasts. It doesn't like to have a big wrench thrown into its works like, you know, imposing tariffs on our closest allies. Mm. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that 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 they're speaking out against this. So how do you think this is going to play out? Uh, 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 This is I mean, it's the art of the deal. We've read the book uh, and we get all of that. uh, The sort of uh, the the tactics, the strategic maneuvers uh, that uh, I'm sure Mr. Trump views it as this. You know, it's all about leveraging this advantage for the United States. How do you think it's going to play out? Do you think that this is going to go forward to the point where the allies, the closest friends on Earth of the United States, are going to get so mad that they're going to have retaliatory tariffs? We're talking about over 100 items out of Canada, the uh, Europeans even a longer list, and they're going to take this to the world, uh, I, I want to say the World Trade Commission rather than the World Court. But again, how do you think it's going to play out? Well, I think there is going to be some cases brought against uh, the United States and the World Trade Organization. And I think that the way this is currently headed uh, would be that uh, these policies are pushing our allies away from us and and pushing them into coalitions so that they can start hedging against these types of policies. And that's demonstrated in the EU uh, trying to revitalize its uh, blocking provisions so that it can make it illegal for European companies to abide by any U.S. sanctions uh, imposed against Iran. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of of a result of something like this, where Donald Trump has acted against the interest of our allies, and they have had to react. And the way they reacted was to band together and find a way to hedge against this policy so they can protect themselves. And interestingly enough, there, there's, of course, there's a, a lot of parallel uh, going on here in terms of Trump and the international community with respect to trade arrangements. And one uh, particular arrangement that the rest of the world has been anxious to see evolve is the United States and China. And Mr. Trump has said some very accurate things about how China has been just stealing America blind for decades in terms of intellectual property, and something has to be done. So why isn't there more focus and more of that anger directed at the Chinese who are more deserving of it. Well, I mean, if you look at the the past rhetoric from this administration against China or on China, there is a lot of uh, anger and a lot of uh, uh, language where where the administration is speaking out against past Chinese practices. And Trump did impose tariffs on the Chinese, but then he walked it back. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a little unclear what the strategy here is in to walk back tariffs against our chief adversary in global economics and then impose the tariffs on our allies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and final question to you, Joe, and we're glad you got up early to do this with us this morning. The one person sure. we haven't heard from 
in all of this uh, this this recent spate of uh, tariffs and uh, and and the slings and arrows uh, with the United States and China, and now with the United States and G7. The one person we haven't heard from for the past few days on all of this is Vladimir Putin. What do you think Russia's take on all of this is? I think Vladimir Putin is sitting in a room with his cronies clinking champagne glasses I agree. together. <laughs> I think his, Vladimir Putin's foreign policy is moving forward nicely. And not having to do a whole lot of work on that file, other people are doing it for him. Well, he's done his work, and now he's watching the, the, the fruits of his labor. His, his goal was to drive uh, wedges in alliances and Western uh, relationships and to affect the uh, Western economy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's exactly what's happening. Interesting stuff. We appreciate your time this morning, Joe Brazda. Great to speak to you again, sir. It's uh, something we'll look forward to doing uh, shortly because uh, this is going to end sooner or later. And uh, Post-summit, Joe, we might be able to have a chance to, to get your take on what, what went down in Singapore. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.